This week's episode is sponsored by Spaces. Spaces is a new platform backed by 15 plus years of educator feedback designed to document the process and progress behind student learning in your classroom. Join the Spaces community to connect with educators across North America and gain access to free teacher-created resources, help educators who are just starting out on their journey, and learn new things from teachers who have been there before. So visit community.spacesedu.com today. Uh, is this the teacher hotline? Hello, everyone, and welcome back for season two of the Teacher Hotline. My name is Ronald Hay, and I'm your host, where we try to answer some of the most pressing questions for teachers in and outside of the classroom. The phone lines have been ringing. The voicemail box is full, so let's get the show rolling. Our first caller of the new year is Deanna from British Columbia. Deanna, what can we do for you today? Hey, Ron. Welcome back. Glad to see the podcast up and running again. Today, I wanted to ask you about jobs in administration. I'm a middle school teacher in BC, and I've always thought about going into administration. However, I'm not 100% sure what the job entails, what the responsibilities are, and what additional training I would need to receive. Wondering if there's anyone you know that can talk about their experience in administration. I would love to know what they love about their job and if they miss the classroom. Thank you so much, Deanna. What a wonderful question. Pursuing a job in school leadership was something that has always crossed my mind. I'm sure VPs and principals face a different set of challenges than school teachers. So today, let's focus in on the middle school level. Today, I bring in Tim Cavey, a middle school principal at Vancouver Christian School since August of 2020. Tim has been in education for 20 years and has recently completed his master's in educational leadership at Vancouver Island University. But more notably, Tim is also the host of the popular education podcast called Teachers on Fire, which is currently the number one education podcast in Canada. And on the podcast, Tim interviews agents of change and transformations from K-12 to in education. He hears their highs and lows, passion and goals, and the voices and resources that shape their thinking and inspire their practice. You can listen to his podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other streaming platforms. So go check it out. Holy moly, Tim, welcome to the show. This is amazing. It's always so nice to collaborate with other Canadian teachers and Canadian podcasters. Ron, what a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to get into this. Thank you so much for that generous introduction. I'm pumped. Tim, let's get into this then. You've been in education for 20 years, but only recently went into administration. So the question is, why now? I love the question. I think there are a few different reasons for that. I look back at the last five years, Ron, and say they've been pivotal in my journey. And so what I mean by that is starting with the master's degree, that's something that I would recommend for any teacher who's been around for a while. If you want to sort of recharge your fire for education, dig back into the philosophy and the research of learning and think about ways to shape schools and cultures. That is a great way to go. And then you mentioned it in the course of my master's, I actually started a podcast. 
And that put me into contact with educators on a weekly basis, something that you are doing as well. And that's really, really charged up my fire for learning. And so I feel like I've grown a lot. I feel like the first 15 years of my career in a few different schools were were great, sort of some highs and lows, but I feel like I've, I've really hit another gear, let's say in the last five years or so. And so when this opportunity came along and the principal that I work with today said, hey, Tim, would you consider coming over to my school? It's just a small middle school, but I was happy to do it. And I've been learning a lot here in the VP position. So would it be fair to say that becoming a VP or going into administration, it wasn't really on your radar when you first started out? Or is this something that was kind of always in the works and the plans when you went into education? I feel like it's always been there in the back of my mind. And it's not something I've been gunning for, for all of my career. Certainly, I recognize that I've got to do some learning. I've got to do some maturing. And at most schools and districts, frankly, now across Canada and the United States, you really do need that master's degree or that little bit of extra learning that you can show that, hey, I've done the work. I've put in the time to become a little bit more of an expert in the field of education. So I I would say to answer your question, it's, it's sort of always been an idea, but only in the last few years or so has it really been a, 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 a realistic possibility. So let's just talk about the logistics of becoming a sure. VP first before we talk about the nitty gritty days of you know what, what the job entails. Now in Ontario, to become a, a vice principal at a public school, uh, you need to get something called your, your uh, principal qualifications, parts one and in part two, there's a two part for this. And I think you got to pay hundreds of dollars to do this, maybe even thousands. I don't even know. Don't quote me on that. Uh, is that different in BC? Do you need to get some sort of additional qualification? I know you mentioned you get you got your master's. Was that necessary or is that something that you wanted for your professional development? So I can't speak too much to the public system, frankly, but I can say that within my world or within in independent schools here in British Columbia, it's not as clearly defined as what you just laid out. And I know some things, by the way, are different in Ontario. I listened to some Ontario education podcasts. And so I, it's interesting to hear about some of those differences. But no, I think, as I said earlier, the standard that I've observed is is by and large a master's in education. I took a master's in educational leadership. That's going to be enough in most cases to uh, at least give you the credentials that you need to get into administration. So when you got your master's, was it for the intention of, you know what, I'm going to set myself up for just in case a job comes along? Or what did you get the master's for a totally different reason? I think that was a big factor uh, to be honest, that was something that I, I, I thought, if I want to take this next step, and, and another reason is just to sort of continue that arc of growth. I, I think when teachers are stuck in the same place for more than seven years, they need that stimulus. But yeah, I, I really looked at it as this is something that's going to prepare me. But in the course of the degree, it was run, it really lit a fire for learning once again and just recharged that appetite too. So there were a couple of things going on there. Let's talk about the nitty-gritty day-to-day parts of the job, which I think a lot of teachers who sure. are thinking <laughs> about going into administration, I'll be honest with you, 
probably don't really know what actually goes behind the curtain. They kind of sign up for the job and then kind of figure out what the job responsibilities actually are. So for people that are listening out there and are interested in pursuing administration, maybe let's just start with kind of just your day-to-day. What does a typical day, nine-to-five job as a VP at a middle school specifically uh, look like? So part of this is going to depend on the principal, and the principal has a lot of power to shape the position and to decide on that balance of responsibilities between the principal and the vice principal. So for example, in some arrangements that you'll come across, the principal really wants full control of the financial part of things. And then in other situations, they may say that vice principal is going to be that point person. to a large extent, or or you'll often find that the vice principal deals with student misbehavior. And that's true in my case. So that means lots of following up, lots of conversations with students, lots of communication with parents, with teachers. Um, I I do a lot of scheduling. I run something in our middle school called house teams that sort of builds school culture across all classes. I look after supervision at recesses, lunch breaks, before and after school, that kind of thing. And a whole bunch of other things. I'm looking at my task list right now, but <laughs> I, I <laughs> like, look, let's see what my to-do list yeah. for tomorrow is. <laughs> I, I, uh, I have the privilege of getting into professional learning as well, which is a really big passion of mine. So those are some of the things that on a day-to-day basis I'm doing on the admin side. I can't recall if you mentioned it, but I also teach 50% of my time. So I get to teach something that in BC we call ADST, Applied Design Skills and Technologies. And that gets me into all of our middle school classes. And so I I get to interact with all of the kids. And although I'm not a homeroom teacher anymore, so I'm not doing as much reporting or conferencing with parents, I still get a really good feel for every class. And I get to know most of our kids, which is a lot of fun. That's interesting. You know, that was going to be a question of mine later, because I saw in your LinkedIn profile that you are an eighth grade teacher. And I wasn't sure if that was just a profile that was not updated recently, because I know in, in, <laughs> <Busted>. most, <laughs> in most schools, VPs and people in admin don't teach in the classroom. And it's interesting that you say that because at my school at Appleby College, our admin actually does teach as well, which oh, cool. I've never actually heard of any other school doing that. So it's kind of cool to see that your school does the same thing. And I absolutely love it. I, I think it's so critical and crucial for for administration to to be in the classroom, to really see what's going on. And I understand that it's not possible for a lot right. of schools based Agreed. off the way it's structured. Um, but talk about, I guess, um, I, I guess, do you like it? How are you even able to balance both jobs? Is that, I don't know, do you struggle with that? I It was more of a struggle last year. My teaching assignment has gotten a little better this year. And I just, I'm not bearing, I won't get into all the details and logistics of why, but it's just a little easier to manage. And so I'm not putting in as much prep time. I'm able to repeat some courses. I'm, I'm not doing quite as much assessment. And so that lets me really have the fun and the joy of being in the classroom. But still, I feel like doing a little better of a job on the admin side. And that's everything that I mentioned. It's, it's things like just being visible, being present, being available at the front doors at the beginning of every day, all that kind of good stuff that you want your administrator to do. And so, yeah, it, it's, it has its challenges because you do feel the, the pull from the, uh, you know, from the teaching side and from the admin side. Uh, sometimes they compete a little bit, but uh, no, I, I tell everyone I, I talk to that I'm really loving life right now. I love the position. Is that common for schools in BC? Like I said, it's not very common in Ontario. 
is this a one-off thing that your school does or other brother sister schools kind of similar in that sense? I feel like it's pretty rare. I think you're right. Most schools, particularly public schools, are going to be much larger, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the vice principal to be teaching 50% of the time. So it's kind of unique. And I I feel like, I don't know how your administrators feel, but I feel like I would really miss being in the classroom if I was completely removed, completely in the office. Uh, that would present its own challenges. And I like the, there's a little bit of credibility with my teaching team, with my colleagues. I feel like because I'm actually in the classroom, I'm practicing all the, the pedagogical things I've been talking about. I'm doing them as well. And I'm, I'm trying to work with them on assessment, reporting, all the same things we're aiming for. And so there's a little bit of solidarity, I feel like, in that sense. And I would miss it, frankly, if I had to give it all up. Does your principal teach as well? She does not. She does not. I've thought about and she's retiring at the end of this year, but I've thought about if I do step into that principal role at some point, would I try to hold, I hope I am able to to hold on to at least a sliver of teaching a little bit of uh, classroom time. Yeah. My principal, uh, he, he was on an episode actually, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, back in, I think September, uh, he teaches one, one section of just grade 12 economics. Perfect. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know what? I, I want to, to your point, stay grassroots, make sure I know what's going on. And, but it's, yeah. again, it's a challenge, right? To balance uh, both uh, the admin job and then the teaching job. It is. Uh, going back to the admin part of the, the role, uh, you, you talked about one of the things uh, that you do is, you know, discipline. And I'll be honest, I, I think <laughs> most people, you know, when you think of VPs, that's the first thing you think about. <laughs> yeah. I know when I was a kid, I just thought the vice principals were just, you know, people going around with ruler sticks and just smacking people on the wrist. Um, you don't really know what else they do. Like that's the first image that comes to mind. So let's talk about that because I know that's not really the most fun part of the job, but it is part of the job. Um, I know you're still pretty fresh in the role. Have you seen anything that's absolutely crazy or something where you're like, oh man, this is just not fun, drugs, <laughs> violence. Um, and does that really put a taint to, I guess, the role of the job and kind of, I don't know, sucks the fun out of things. It can be draining, emotionally draining some days, but I'm very blessed that we don't have a lot of the, the drugs, the violence that you mentioned. So our biggest challenges to give you a sense of my context are a bunch of sixth graders this year that have been getting a little too carried away on discord in their personal time. And so that bleeds into the school life a little bit because parents get upset, students get upset. And even if it's not happening in the school environment, it, as I said, it spills over into the classroom. Right. And then, and then you have some other relationship things where kids are, are not very nice to each other sometimes. And uh, you know, that requires some restorative conversations and sometimes bringing kids together, setting up some, restorative circles and talking about impact, talking about making wrongs right. And those the silver lining there is those can be really binding kind of relationship times where you get a chance to walk alongside kids and build character together. With parents, is that something that you deal with in your portfolio? Like, like what's your, how much connection do you have with the parents in the community? Or is that with the principal or I don't know, the teachers and how are those, like, how are they with you? Like, I know sometimes when a parent talks to a vice principal, usually it's not for good reasons, uh, <laughs> which can be scary, right? Uh, how's your experience been with the parents in your community? 
One thing you'll be interested to hear, Ron, that we are trying, my principal and I, and this was actually her idea, is a weekly podcast, oh. and it, it's called the Middle School Matters Podcast, and it's it's just simply uh, basically news and events and experiences and a few bits and bites from kids in the hallways that I record on my phone. So it's a very connected to our school kind of a podcast, but that's been one really fun way to connect with parents. You talked about talking to parents. I mean, COVID has really put a big damper on all of that. So we've had to find some other ways to connect with our parent community. When it comes to, I mentioned behavior, usually that's really a homeroom teacher channel of communication, but uh, once in a while, I might get involved there as well, depending on the situation. You mentioned your, your principal, and I know that you said that the VP role can be really shaped based off of who the principal is, what school you're in, what community you're in. What's really the big difference then between a vice principal versus a principal? Is, is it just the, the compensation or what's, <laughs> uh, what's the difference here between the two jobs? I think the principal, I read a great book in the summer by Todd Whitaker, what great, what great principles do differently. And one of the things he says is that principle is the variable. That principle sets the tone for the culture of the building. In fact, he says, you could often say, you know, the, the culture of a certain school is X and you could substitute the, the word principle for the word culture there. So he puts, basically, he says the buck stops with the principal. That principal's got to set the tone, has got to set the vision and mission for the school. So I do think they're they're very distinct positions for that reason. Interesting. So the principal role, is that something where you need to become a vice principal first to be able to, I guess, quote unquote, level up to the principal role? Is it, you know, like a ladder or let's say hypothetically, you never got this VP role um, and you're, you know, middle school teacher. Could you get a principal role if that popped up? Or again, does that depend if you're in the independent or, or public school system? I think you're on the right track. I, I think for the most part that most schools and districts would want to see a little bit of admin experience before turning over the keys to a, an unproven administrator. Right. <laughs> that's just my, that's just my sense. But I, I think most schools would want to see a little bit of VP or AP experience first. Right. And what are those interviews like? Like what are, what are schools looking for in a VP, right? You're sitting down for a job interview. Hi, my name is Tim. Uh, what are people even asking you? What are they looking for? Most schools. I think they want to get a sense of your, I just mentioned it, mission and vision for the school. How do you see the, the experience of every kid that walks in the doors? How, what do you envision as an experience for every member of your team, every member of the community? What are you, what are you trying? What's the story you're trying to tell? Every school needs that, that strong storyteller at the front. And, you know, uh, are you prepared to do whatever it takes to support the needs and include every single learner in your community? Make sure it's a safe, enjoyable place for every person. And yeah, I mean, obviously it gets more granular than that, but I think those are the big ideas that schools are looking for. You went from the classroom to this admin role, and it sounds fantastic that you still get to teach and be in the, the trenches, as we call it, uh, <laughs> as we call in the teacher world. Um, now, you're obviously not teaching as much as you were before in the past. You're saying you got kind of got like a reduced course load. 
So my question is, I don't know, do you, do you miss the classroom so far? Like, I know you obviously are in the classroom, but do you miss being in the classroom full-time? Because I think that's one of the biggest reasons why teachers don't go into admin is because they're sacrificing the best part of the job, which is hmm. being with the kids. I don't because I feel like I'm getting enough of it and I really enjoy some of the admin challenges on the side. So I feel like I've got a great mix. I mean, just today I was in a sixth grade classroom working with sixth graders on photo editing. How fun is that? Like I just had a blast with them. And then at the end of the day, I was part of a school-based team meeting uh, involving an eighth grader that we are working with who, who needs some support. And so I was there in my VP role. So it's just an awesome mix right now. I love it. That's amazing. How, how long do you want to do this job for you think? I think I feel like a good anywhere from one to two to five years, let's say in the VP role. And then somewhere within that time, I'm going to feel ready to take that next step into a principal role. And we'll see how soon that comes. But you know, any, I, I feel like it's a win, whether I stay in this role for a while or whether I move up to bigger challenges, I think uh, it's all exciting at this point. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast as well. Uh, this is huge, big podcast, big, big podcast. You mentioned, first <laughs> of all, I, I did not know this, uh, that this podcast was born out of your master's program. Is that correct? Did I hear you correctly? It kind of. So I I think I actually launched it before I entered the master's program. If I go down and uh, if I go back, oh, is that? Oh man, the, I can't believe the the dates are starting to get away from me. But it was it, it was <laughs> around the same time. I think I think I launched it before I entered the program, and then I really sort of turned up. Uh, that's right. It was launched before I entered the program, but then my master's thesis in my second year of the, the master's degree really focused on the impact of podcasting, sort of what you and I do within the education community. And it's a space that's not very well researched. And so I, I would say that sort of let, lit an additional fire at that time for podcasting. But the two, I, I sort of view the two as coinciding. I mean, they were just natural fits with each other, the podcasting and, and the degree. Now I have to ask you this. Sure. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this podcast since ooh, March of 2021. So it's been about 10 months since I've been doing this. And let me tell you, after 10 months, man, I am burnt out <laughs> from doing my regular job as a teacher. And the only reason why I was able to kind of pump out so many episodes at the beginning was because we were in COVID and you know, just not much to, too much going on. You, how in the world are you balancing the podcast consistently week after week after week with your commitments in the classroom and now you're with your new commitment as a vice principal? Have you been able to do it? Well, first of all, Ron, I want to congratulate you because 10 months is a really long time. And I would say you're on a track for greatness. You've got an amazing sound. Keep it up. I would I would say that on my... So thank you for all the kind words. I have not been able to deliver the way I would like to. And you probably have certain aspirations. And then there's reality, right? In terms of what you can actually... What you actually have time to do. So right now, what it looks like for me is I try to stay super consistent with a live stream YouTube conversation conversation with educators every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And my wife and two teenagers are still sleeping at that time. So it doesn't interfere with my family life at all. And then I try to get out podcast episodes on the weekend that are usually just monologues based on some writing I've done. And this last week, it didn't happen. I think it happened the last three or four weeks before that, where I was able to get out these episodes. But 
that pales in comparison to what I'd really love to do because I do love this space of content creation and it lights a huge fire uh, in me for learning and for the work that I do. But uh, yeah, it's, as you said, it's, it takes its toll, right? It's this creation, this content creation stuff is fun, but it does take time. So uh, the, really the interviews on Saturday morning are, are what I've been able to maintain consistently. And that's because I have a very gracious wife who doesn't mind, <laughs> mind me having a little, a little <laughs> bit of nerd time every Saturday morning. Yeah. Cause I remember I was checking on, uh, I looked up your podcast. You're like what, 200 episodes deep, aren't you? <laughs> the, that first stretch or so I was still teaching. I wasn't in administration. I was doing two episodes a week run and and somehow as I was able to maintain I think my workflow was a lot simpler back then as well and so as my workflow has gotten a little more elaborate in terms of uh, you know promotion and you, you want to get some stuff on the website and you know content creation experts are out there telling you all these X y and Z things that you should be doing quote unquote right so I've tried to do all of that well but I've definitely had to simplify my process. I cannot do two episodes a week at this point. So speaking about burnout, then I, I know if you could think yeah. back to, you know, when you first started in education, first year as, as a teacher, as we all know, the learning oh. curve is, is tough, right? There's so much burnout. You're putting in hours and hours, staying up late night, trying to put up lesson plans. Is there a similar learning curve in the administrative role where you feel like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm staying at the office till six, seven o'clock at night. I got a family. I got these episodes to pump out. Like, how do you balance that that healthy work life balance without feeling burned out in this new job? I wish more podcasters would ask this question because I think it's really important, and I always pay careful attention when I hear others speak to this. My answers to that are: I number one, I try to really get a lot of productive time in in the mornings. So I'm typically the first or second one in my building out of, uh, you know, well over a hundred staff. So I try to get there really early and that, that sweet spot of uh, the, the first hour, hour and a half of the, the day is really, really valuable to me. And then in the evening, I try to try to shut it down around 9 PM. And I know I'm keeping you up past that in Ontario time right now, but <laughs> so thanks for your generosity, but I try to shut it down by 9, 9.30 and leave the phone outside of my room and just just try to get some quality sleep. I've, I find sleep is underrated by educators in terms of just quality of life. So if you can really fight for good sleep, that really affects everything else positively. So those are two of the things that I try to follow to answer your question in terms of just keeping it all going. You mentioned your phone. Um, do you find that with being an admin your email is blowing up more, your phone's blowing up. I, I know with running the podcast, like for me, I noticed I'm on social media more trying to promote my episodes. Right. Do you find that you're more attached to your phone now as a result of this new job? Well, my wife would definitely say I'm on my phone way too much, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. So one thing I do with my phone that is not for everyone, and it's a little bit risky in my position, but I keep my phone on do not disturb 24 seven. And so what that means is my phone never vibrates or rings unless I have an iPhone. So if you're on my favorites list, which is immediate family or administrators, they get through, but any other person calling, unless I happen to be looking at my phone, I'm not going to see it or hear it. So that limits my 
distraction, let's say. And so once in a while, that does bite me if I'm really honest. But for the most part, it allows me to get into a flow. Let's say I have one hour in a morning or in an afternoon to plow away through my to-do list, I can really set the phone aside and just focus on what I'm doing. And that means I'm not getting distracted. And at least I'm going to my phone on my own terms, if that makes sense, if you know what I mean. I'm I'm not being pulled there. I'm going there when it suits me. Yeah, I find right now, you know, one of the most challenging things at my school is emails just coming through over and over and over again. We're trying to get off of email. We're using something called Microsoft Teams yeah. uh, with our students. Uh, but even that now, like, it doesn't really make a difference because we're just transferring right. from email to, to, to instant message. Um, so I find that the phone, the messages, the emails, it, it could be very daunting. And you know, I, I can only imagine in a school leadership position that more emails are coming your way. Oh, it's a, it's a full inbox for sure. And there's definitely triage involved. You can't, can't get every to-do item the day of, but you do the best you can. Tim, I'm looking at the time. Let's wrap up with what's the best part of this job up to this point? If someone were to ask you, I want to be a VP, Tim, what would you say to them? I love the opportunity of serving teachers and that comes in many different forms. I do Starbucks runs for teachers. I try to uh, find little resources that make their lives a little bit easier, but just in general, the opportunity to be someone sort of behind the scenes, a, a bit of a, an assistant coach, borrowing a little bit from Ted Lasso there. Um, that's a really, really fun change for me in my career. And I'm, I'm enjoying it to the fullest. So if you, if anyone listening has been in the classroom or in the trenches, as you put it for a super long time, you're ready for a change. I think it's definitely something to look at and, it doesn't take being an all-star. It doesn't take being anything extraordinary. You just need to be willing to serve others. Tim, any exciting episodes coming up with uh, Teachers on Fire that uh, other listeners can be uh, looking forward to? So on the Teachers on Fire roundtable on YouTube this Saturday, I'm hoping to speak with John Carippo, author of the Edu Protocols books. And I don't know a whole lot about the Edu Protocols, but I'm warming up to them. And I know a couple of my colleagues have been learning about these protocols, these practices that teachers can sort of teach their students that invigorate learning and communication and, and uh, get all kinds of good four C's activities going in their classroom. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. And uh, by the time this publishes, maybe that conversation will be over, but that's next on my radar. That's amazing. And let's uh, remind uh, the audience and the listeners, uh, where can people find you on social media and where can people find your podcast? at Teachers on Fire everywhere. I've managed to take it on every social media platform. If there's a platform where it's still unoccupied, please don't take it. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm even on TikTok. I'm not really putting too much there, but I'm, I'm trying to be uh, make myself available in these different places. And uh, I've got the website, teachersonfire.net as well. Holy moly. Guys, check out the podcast. It's incredible. You'll love him. Tim, thank you so much for hopping on. This is absolutely incredible. Uh, I think I said to you offline, uh, I'm actually going to be visiting uh, BC and in your neck of the woods uh, uh, over the Christmas break. So 
but I think you're going to be gone in Winnipeg, I think, right? <laughs> I think so. But hey, if our date, let's figure out the dates uh, off air. And if, uh, if we get a chance, let's grab a coffee. That would be a lot of fun. And, and Ron, I would love to have you. I'm just going to put it out there to your audience. I would love to have you on the round table. If you're ready to do some live streaming on a Saturday, let's go. Holy moly. You guys heard it here first. <laughs> I'll be there, Tim. I'll bring Sounds the Starbucks good. coffee for you this time, or I'll send you a gift card since you're all the way in the BC. Oh, no need. No need. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, Tim. This was such a pleasure having you on. Uh, like I said, I'm sure you know, uh, when it comes to putting together episodes, you always kind of have this dream list of people that you want to get on your show, and uh, you were one of them. So thank you so much for coming on. Right uh, I am deeply honored. Thank you so much, Ron. And uh, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. I'm looking forward to connecting more in the future. Well, thank you to all of our listeners out there as well. Welcome back to the first episode of season number two. Uh, if you like this episode, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it, anywhere you want it, you'll get it. We'll see you guys next Monday. Woo-hoo!